1: 225 274 1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Jesus, word. You
0: are all for today, master, savior, I have come to seek you. In Jesus' name, come on, shout amen. amen. What a great journey. We have been on now for, this is the fourth week, it's hard to believe and we're going to try and end everything up next week and again, great questions that have come in and just keep them coming in and And last week we began to look at the happenings here on this earth after the rapture of God. What I've done is I've actually redrawn this chart and I've kind of taken this half off and I've added some more to it. So it is slightly different from last week and hopefully that will help you. But after the rapture of the church, we're going to be in heaven. Those who have confessed Christ, we're going to be going through the judgment seat of Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb, just having a great time in heaven. But while we're having a great time in heaven, the earth is going to be in a completely different state. We're going to go through three and a half years of tribulation because there's going to be seven years total of tribulation. Last week, we really talked about the first half with the transition period. And that's where I want to kind of pick up a little bit tonight in that transitional period and then going on to the end of the tribulation and then looking at the um, millennial reign and just different things. But salvation will still be possible During this time, I told you in that question that there's going to be a lot of deception. There's going to be a lot of things. And the cost of someone giving their life to Christ is going to be their life. They're going to be beheaded and their life will be taken from them. And and they'll be literally hunted down like animals. They won't be able to work. They won't be able to buy supplies. They're going to be absolute outcasts living in fear for their lives, for those. Because when they refuse to take the mark of the beast, they're they're, they're not going to be popular. They're not going to be loved. They're not going to be, well, you can have your thoughts and we'll have ours. Hey, if you don't think like we do, we're going to kill you. You're going to die for those beliefs. But thank God again, reminded, that John 14 verse 6 Jesus was leaving and Jesus said to him oh that's the wrong scripture it's a great scripture John 14 verse 6 Jesus said I'm the way the truth and the life but the scripture whichever one it is it says I will pray the father and he will give you another helper and he will come that he may abide with you forever what do we see the Holy Spirit will be here forever on this earth because of redemption No one can be saved yet through the Holy Spirit, him drawing man. So even though the church has been removed, the, the power of the Holy Spirit will still be here, meaning people will still be able to get saved. And halfway into the tribulation is almost really where we began to wrap things up last week. And what we're going to see in here is a chain of events is going to happen. Three and a half years, the Antichrist is going to have peace with Israel. Reunite the Roman Empire, building it back into ten kingdoms. And just different things are going to happen. But then halfway in, he's going to break that covenant. He's going to break that covenant with Israel. And he's going to attack Israel. He's going to have his seat. He's going to have himself set up in the temple. He's, he's going to release a false prophet. The false prophet's job is going to be to go throughout this world, forcing people to worship the antichrist that's what he's going to be doing he's going to be forcing people to receive the mark of the beast which is the next thing that's going to take place and we don't know what that mark is we know the number the bible says the number is six 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 that's the number of man six it's the mark of the beast six 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 and those that don't receive the mark of the beast they're going to be killed they're going to be hunted down and those who do receive the mark of the beast the bible tells us that they will be lost for eternity There'll be no saving. There'll be no turning back. That They're going to be bought into that. But also during this time, God is going to send two witnesses. Aren't you glad in the midst of when there's devastation and disarray, God's grace is still present? And in that time, God is going to send two witnesses, which we believe is probably Enoch and Elijah, because from the scriptures, they are two men that never died. Enoch was translated, Elijah was taken up in the chariots and the horse. And they believe that they're being reserved in heaven to come back to this earth. But while here, all eyes will see them. They'll be preaching the gospel. All the world will hear their message, but then they'll be killed and they'll be left in the streets for three days. But they're going to rise again. And when they rise again, they're going to go up into heaven. And at that time, also the 144,000 that God's going to put his seal upon them, they're going to be taken up into heaven with them. And then what's going to happen at this time is that Israel is going to begin to realize that their treaty has been broken. They're going to start fleeing and running for their life. And Israel, as a nation, they're going to start fleeing into the surrounding countries. And when the Antichrist, with his armies, is going to try to pursue them and go after them, you know what's going to happen? The ground is going to open up and swallow his armies. I mean, this is all in God's Word. You can read that in Revelations 12, 13 through 16. Don't have time tonight, but go into this. And what it's going to do is it's going to set up for the last three and a half years of the tribulation that's known as the Great Tribulation. In other words, everything up to this time, the first three and a half years with the transition and then the last portion of it, This, everything else before this has just set up for the Great Tribulation. And these are the last judgments that God is going to pour out upon this earth. They're known as the vile judgments or the bowl, B-O-W-L judgments different people have called them different things the vile or the bowl judgments again seven of them we've already seen that in the first half right here there were two sets of three there were the seal judgments and there were the trumpets seven of those that was released upon this earth but as we see the great tribulation as we see these seven judgments here we've got to understand something look what God's word says In Matthew 24, verse 22, it says this, Jesus says, unless those days are shortened, unless those days were shortened, no flesh would survive this horrific time. He's talking right here at this time, that unless the days were shortened, no flesh would be saved except for the elects sake. Who are the elect? That's Israel, the nation of Israel. Okay. But for the elect's sake, these days will be short, and God's going to bring an end to these things. Yes, in his time, but he's going to bring it to an end before the whole of mankind is going to be destroyed. Because we're going to see through these judgments, how man would not be able to survive long, even if they were left on this earth. And really, to be honest with you, their greatest thing would be to to be taken because it's going to be horrific during those times. And as we read these things, sometimes for us it's hard to us to really grasp the severity of these things. And I really want us to put ourselves in there because today when we mention these vile judgments, I want us to really not just say, oh yeah, okay, but I want us to really think about what that would mean. And the implications and the actions and the results that would take place. Because these are serious things. Because even if God himself is saying, if I didn't cut these days short, no one would stand. How many knows that God's not lying right here? And God's telling the truth. He knows how severe these things are. And again, God doesn't will that any should perish. That's why he's given all an opportunity to be saved. But yet we have to make that choice because of freedom of choice. we have to choose God. So what do we see is we see the first vile of the vile judgments, is this. Malignant sores upon all those who take the mark of the beast. Look what it says in Revelation 6 verse 2. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. So sores broke out all over them. Just discomfort throughout the whole of that rain. Then the second vial is poured forth. The second vial is this. All the seas turned to blood. If you would remember last week, we talked about the trumpet judgments. The actual second trumpet judgment was one third of the seas would be turned to blood. What we see in this vile judgment is the entirety of the whole seas will be turned to blood. Revelation 16 verse 3, Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Think about that just for the fact of food supply, just everything and the stench and the filth and just the decay of everything washing up and the smell of oceans turned to blood. I mean, you've got to picture this. It's horrific, horrific scenes right there. Then the third vial is this. It doesn't only stop with the oceans, all the rivers are turned to blood. Again with the trumpet judgments, we saw on the third trumpet judgment that water was poisoned. And as a result of that water being poisoned, the Bible says many men died. Just think what would happen with every water supply pretty much on this earth is unusual unusable to man any longer. Think what's going to happen. The supply of life that comes through water will be gone. Think about that. The scripture says in Revelation 16, 4 and 7, then the third angel poured out his bowl on all the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who was, who, who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, even so, Lord Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Think about that. God's saying, you've you've shed the blood of all my prophets, of all my saints. And now as a result, you are reaping the rewards of the life and the decadence that you have. No more water. What a tragic thing that would take place to this earth. The four vial that's going to be released is this, men scorched by the sun. It doesn't actually say that they are killed in this, but they could be. It's global warming to the max right here. Come on. And and amazing, again, the parallel with the fourth judgments or the fourth trumpet judgment that we saw. We saw that a third of all the planets were darkened. But now what do we see? We see that such heat came from the sun and the light of the sun that the men were scorched. Revelations 16, 8 and 9. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat. <clears throat> and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues and they did not repent. Notice that, and give him glory. Even going through and seeing everything, And we would say, my God, it wouldn't take that and I would be turning to God. They are seeing all of this, but what is their response? Their response is by no way to cry out for God to give them mercy. They blaspheme the name of God, knowing what? That he has the power over them that they can repent and they could give glory knowing that, but yet they still willfully choose to blaspheme his name. Can you see how dark and how much devastation there would be? It's hard for us to comprehend because, man, when just something goes bad, we're on our knees crying out to God and saying, God, come back. And to see this being poured out, but yet not turn. And the Bible doesn't say a few will not. It says they will not. Mankind will not in any way turn back to God. Come on, we better live ready. Come on, we've never got a greater opportunity than this. And then the fifth vial is going to be poured forth. And that's this, the Antichrist's kingdom is going to be covered by darkness. And not only is it going to be covered by darkness, the darkness, the Bible says, is going to inflict great pain. Look, then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom became full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. I don't know what that is symbolic to, but as a result of the darkness, a pain was also inflicted in them. And notice again their response. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pain and their sores and they did not repent of their deeds. They did not repent. And I believe this is just the way of God just almost messing with the Antichrist and saying, you think you've got all power? Let me shut your lights out and see. You think you've got power to rule and reign, but I want to show you. I'm just going to turn the lights off on your kingdom. Every other kingdom's going to be fine, but yours is going to be in darkness because I'm going to make a spectacle of you in front of this whole earth. And then the sixth vial is released. And from the get-go, you may think, wow, the river Euphrates dries up? I mean, come on, I mean... Everything else has been like so massive and a river dries up. But you've got to understand the purpose of that river drying up. Revelation sixteen twelve. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. This is setting the stage for all the kingdoms that will join with the Antichrist to begin to come together. That they can be one great army that's going to fight against Israel and ultimately going to fight against each one of us. They're going to fight a losing battle, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But then, if you would read on, I don't have the scripture, but verse 13 and 14 goes on and talks about three unclean spirits, which are demons. The Bible tells us they are demons. And they are released upon this earth and they are going about doing deceiving signs, deceiving all these kingdoms and all these kings to follow and come after the Antichrist. Any boundary for them not to be able to get is going to be dried up and removed so they can just march together and they can become one force together. Do you notice something in all of this where all the hatred is aimed at? All the hatred is towards what? The nation of Israel. Come on, all this is centered around attacking, destroying, coming against Israel. What do we see around us today? The unrest of Syria, all these things. What are they trying to do? They're trying to destroy the nation of Israel. Anyone who touches Israel is fighting God himself. Come on, because Israel are God's people. That's where he came from, from the Jews. He has covenants with them. He is going to protect them and he is going to fight for them. And we see that again through history. Adolf Hitler killed, what, over 10 million Jews. Why? Because he was trying to wipe out a race But man cannot do. Come on, man cannot outdo God. Man cannot outdo God. And then we see the seventh vial that's going to be released or the seventh bowl judgment and that is going to be a great earthquake and massive hailstones great earthquake and massive hailstones and we see that in that scripture right there and you can read that for yourself revelation 16 17 through 21 and you know that the bible says that the hailstones are going to be a hundred pounds each hundred pound hailstones are going to fall from the ground And earthquakes that's going to cause devastation. So think about this as all these armies and all this preparation has been taking place. The earth is going to shake. And many of those people are going to be destroyed even in the preparation. And massive hailstones are going to fall out of heaven. Destroying, wiping out everything within their reach and within their power. And in that passage of scripture, we'll see this that the seventh vial, as it's released, the angel says these words, It is done. It is done. Those words, It is done, are echoing what Jesus said upon the cross. Jesus says, It is finished. It is finished. The work of judgment has now been completed. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, he broke the law and he became grace for each one of us. He's finished, I've accomplished what I've come to do. These angels are going to come and they're going to shout out, it is done. The judgment of God has now been poured forth upon mankind. And so in the final days of this tribulation, after these judgments have been poured forth... What we're going to see is this. Israel then is going to come back and is going to regain possession of Jerusalem. Israel and the forces around and they're going to come back with the help of God and the two witnesses. And they're going to come back and they're going to take over Jerusalem. But the Antichrist, come on, he doesn't want to leave it alone. He wants to destroy Israel. He wants to destroy the people of God. He doesn't know when he's whipped. He doesn't know when he's beat. But what's he going to do? Is he going to gather all his armies and he's going to return with all the kingdoms, all the armies of the nations that he has conquered. And he's going to regain Jerusalem. And he's going to take half of the city captive. Then, come on, say with me, then. Then, drum roll, then is going to become the second coming of Christ. Come on, the second coming. The rapture is not the second coming of Christ. The rapture is when God takes us up to him. The second coming is when Jesus himself is going to come down to this earth. Come on, and he's going to lead all of us, the saints of God. We're going to be a victorious army and we're going to ride in like the cavalry and we're going to come in and we're going to save the day. Amazing. The second coming of Christ is what the Jewish people have been waiting for. They didn't recognize the first coming of Christ when he came to this earth because they wanted an earthly ruler. They wanted him. They didn't see the prophecies of how he would come as a prince of peace and how he would come to redeem. They don't see that. All they could see was him coming back in victory and as a mighty army. So on this day, many of those people are going to recognize him as Messiah because that's. That's what they've been waiting for and that's what they're going to be looking for. But he's going to appear from heaven with all of us and all the angels. And in one day, say with me, one day, day. in a one day battle, we're going to defeat the armies of the Antichrist. That battle is known as the Battle of Armageddon because it's going to be fought in a place called Maggeddon or Armageddon. That's the location of that battle and therefore the name, the Battle of Armageddon. I want to read this scripture if I could. Matthew chapter 24, um, verses 29 through 31 speaks of this. And it says, after, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the signs of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great shout of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four corner winds from the earth from one to the other. That's speaking about the second coming as he comes back in such victory and he's bringing all of those together. The entire nation of Israel will be saved in one day. And do you realize that speaks of in this in the word of God that this will be the worst conflict in the history of the world. In one day, in one battle, it will be the worst conflict that this world has ever, ever, ever known. Revelations 14 verse 20 speaks of this. It says, And the winepress was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress. That pressing, that winepress, that scrossing, speaking of the wrath and the judgment of God upon this world. And up to what? The horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. That's 184 miles. The Bible speaks that blood will be up to the horse's bridles. Think about the blood that there will be of the bloodshed that's going to happen on that day as those that would dare to stand against the armies of God. And we're going to be part of the armies of God. They're going to be defeated as we're going to be victorious and we're going to be riding down in great victory. During this battle, the Antichrist and the false prophet, they're they're going to be destroyed. Okay. They're going to be destroyed, but God doesn't leave them destroyed because he resurrects them so they can be put to punishment and judgment. Come on. Their judgment is going to be what? They're going to be put to hell forever. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 8 says, and this is them talking about them being killed first. Second Thessalonians 2 verse 8, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming, the second coming. He'll be destroyed. Then as I said, he'll be resurrected and he'll be condemned to hell, the lake of fire. Uh, and we can see that, Oh, I don't have a scripture for that, I'm sorry. And at this time then, Satan will be cast into the bottomless pit For a thousand years. Think about this, a bottomless pit, meaning Satan's just going to keep falling and falling and falling and falling. For over a thousand years, he's going to be put into such a chasm. We see this in Revelations 20, verse 3. Then I saw the angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that Satan, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan. And he bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him, so that he could not or should not deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a while. For a thousand years, he's going to be bound. No deception. But then after that thousand years, for a short period of time, he's going to be released again. And we're going to talk about that next week, or maybe a little bit at the end, but more next week. And during this time also, what we're going to see, as Satan is cast into a pit, the Antichrist is being destroyed, we're going to see that God is going to judge the nations. There's going to be a judgment upon the Gentile nations of this world. And the Gentile nations of this world are going to be separated by God into the sheep nations and the goat nations. The sheep nations are going to be those that have been loyal or those who have supported Israel that have not fought against them, those who have been kind to Israel. The goat nations are going to be those that have persecuted Israel. Those who are part of the goat nations who have stood against Israel, who have persecuted Israel, the Bible says that they will be sent to hell. They, will be sent to, they won't be They will have a chance. They had their chance. They are going to be sentenced to hell, never to be able to have an opportunity to be saved. So the nations that rejected God. We see this in Matthew 25, verse 41. Then he will also say to those on his left hand, speaking of the goat nations, on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Notice hell was not prepared for man. It was prepared for the devil and his angels so bad that God didn't prepare it. When he prepared hell, he never prepared it with man in mind. It was for the devil and his fallen angels because God doesn't will that any should perish but that all should have everlasting life. But man through his choice places himself there. But while the goat nations will be sent to hell, the sheep nations will be left here and allowed to inhabit the earth. They'll be allowed to stay here on the earth in their natural bodies, okay? So throughout the millennium, they're going to be living here on this earth in their natural bodies We are going to be living here on this earth, but in our glorified bodies, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. The scripture about them is this Matthew 25, verse 34 the sheep nations. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So, all these things will come to a place that's going to set up the millennial reign a thousand years. In those who have set it up, they have actually called it divine government as a dispensation. Remember, right now we're in the dispensation. It's a time period of grace. This is going to be the dispensation of divine government. Why? Divine God is going to reign. God is going to reign and take rulership on this earth. The actual word millennium is not used in the Bible as the millennial reign, but it comes from two Latin words that is "milli," which stands for a thousand, and annum, which is years, thus a thousand years. And we see this time period is mentioned in Revelations six times. A thousand years, a thousand years, the millennial reign. Reign. Okay? There are other names in the scriptures that are given to it, a list of names. Some of these names you may know. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he's talking about the millennial reign. When he's talking about the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, he's talking about the millennial reign. And those, along with many other references, are in reference to this thousand years period where Satan will not be present. Because where is he? He's in the pit. He's bound in the bottomless pit, okay? So what's then going to begin to happen on this earth? If Satan's gone, if deception's gone, if lies is gone, and all those things that are gone, you've got to realize that great things are going to begin to happen to this world. God is going to set His kingdom up here. And as a result of Him setting up His kingdom, do you know who He has instituted to rule and reign in that kingdom? Come on, us as saints. Remember we talked about the judgment seat of Christ, that we would not be kicked out of heaven. When we make it in the rapture to heaven, we're in, we're safe. But according to the works of our lives, we're going to stand before Him. And everything that's of God is going to remain, but everything else is going to burn up. And what is left in our hands of things that we have done, we are going to be rewarded according to those things. And that's talking about here in the millennial reign that we are going to be given rulership according to the life that we have lived here on this earth. Come on, we've got to be driven by eternity. Come on, that the things we're doing here, we're not just doing them here. We're not just doing them so people will be saved. We're doing them for a position, not that we want position, but that we can rule and we can reign with God. So we're going to be serving the nations. We're going to be serving God here on this earth. All rebellion is going to be destroyed by God. So everything is going to be destroyed by God. What else are we going to see is going to begin to happen during this time? And we're going to go through some of these things. And you can check them off as we go through all of these things. But all rebellion is going to be destroyed and put down. And the earth is going to begin to take on its intended form before the fall. Before man ate of the fruit, this was paradise. This was heaven on earth. We can't even begin to imagine in our minds picture the most picturesque, the most beautiful, the most awesome place that you can ever imagine. Come on, that's the dumpster of what the earth is going to look like. I mean, the magnificence of God's splendor and His majesty and creation. The world is going to begin to become restored back to that position. What man did with sin and started all of this, come on, trying to destroy perfection. God, again, is going to rule this world, okay? As I said, it's time that then we'll begin to rule and we'll begin to reign in that. It's then during this time that the first resurrection will take place. The first resurrection is the resurrection of everyone that has died during the tribulation period who have given their lives to Christ. They will then be resurrected and they will begin to be able to live here in the millennium. They'll begin to live in the millennial with each one of us. The Bible also speaks of a second resurrection. We're going to see that later. And the second resurrection is going to be for all those since the beginning of time who have not accepted Christ as Lord and Saviour. And they will be resurrected to stand before the great white throne judgment, where their sentence has already been pronounced. But they're going to hear from God, depart from me, I knew you not. And they're going to be sentenced to a life in hell. So what's going to happen here on earth? Let me give you a brief overview of what's going to take place here on this earth. Jerusalem is once again going to be rebuilt. Jerusalem's going to be the capital of God. God's going to rule this earth from Jerusalem. It's going to be the center of political, economical, rather, and spiritual activity. God's going to build a temple. And His temple that He's going to build is not going to be anything like the temple of the Antichrist. The temple that God's going to build, according to Ezekiel 45, verse 1-4, through 4, is going to be one mile long and one mile wide. It's going to be one mile square phenomenal in size and it's going to be built by Christ himself and priests from the line of Levi the sons of Aaron are going to minister before God in his temple they're not going to be like the old priests because in the old testament the priests were mediators between God and man they (coughs) they stood as the mediator the go-between we don't need a go-between because God's going to be here But what they're going to do is they're going to function solely to minister and serve before God. They're going to be offering sacrifices, but the sacrifices are not going to be for the forgiveness of sins, but the sacrifice is going to be much like the communions that we have on Sunday. What do we do as a remembrance, as a memorial of the greatness of that which God, so the sacrifices aren't going to be God have mercy on us. The sacrifices are going to be say, thank God for your mercy. Thank God for your truth. Thank God for that which has been accomplished for us once and for all. But you know what? Unfortunately, in the middle of all of this, you know what's going to happen? Rebellion. Even in the middle of almost a perfect world, that sin nature of those nations, the sheep nations, not those who are saved, not those who are in heaven and came down with Christ, not those. We're saved forever. We're in. We've got immortal bodies. We're in. But those who have been allowed to live, the sheep nations, what they're going to begin to do is they're going to have that sin nature is going to surface and a number of people are going to repel. And as a result, God himself is going to judgment. And the judgment is not going to be drawn out. It's not going to be debated trials because you cannot argue truth. God is going to be truth. Truth, absolute truth is going to be standing in judgment. And as a result of those that turn against God, they will be destroyed and they'll await the second resurrection where they'll stand before the great white throne judgment to receive their judgment. So what will the spiritual condition be on this earth? There's going to be revival. It's going to be revival that's going to break out all over this world. We've seen and we've experienced a taste of it the day of Pentecost when we see that all these people were added to the church in Acts chapter 2. We've read of mighty moves of God throughout history, throughout times, the Welsh revival, the Sousa Street, all these mighty outpourings of when God was poured for. It's nothing in comparison to his outpouring. Have you ever gone to Sam's on a Saturday? Have you ever gone to Sam's on a Saturday? You walk around, come Come on, there's all these little samples. Anyone seen those little samples? They give you enough just to make you mad. Come on now. You want to go and get a hat and put a different shirt on and come back for something else because they just give you enough to make you mad. Why? Because they want you to buy the product. Come on, what we have tasted spiritually is just the little samples of Sam's compared to the greatness that God's going to happen. Revival's going to break out. Come on, I know, no pun intended, but it's going to be heaven on earth. And we're going to see God move. And and as a result of revival and a spiritual awakening that's going to take place, you know it's going to change this whole world. As a result of that, things will begin to happen. The Bible says knowledge is going to begin to abound. We can think now with our minds, uh, but there's going to be a greater insight and understanding because remember, everything we have now is limited by sin. It's limited by what we've seen around us, by it being infected by sin. But when Satan is removed and sin is taken, come on, think of what's going to begin to take place on this earth. Missionaries are going to be sent to all the sheep nations that are going to be left and they're going to be taught the gospel. There's going to be revival and people are going to repent and they're going to accept Christ And great things are going to happen. Again, the saints, we're already saved. We're going to be cheering them on. We don't need to be saved. We're in. But we're going to be part of echoing that and we're going to see that. What else do we see happen? The Bible says there'll be divine healing for all. That everyone will be able to be healed. That we can pray. And there'll be miracles that will take place. The Bible says as Christ himself will be the great physician. What a beautiful picture. And this, listen, and this isn't even heaven yet. Hello? This isn't even heaven yet. This is just us living here on this earth. And the living conditions are going to be absolutely awesome. The restoration that's going to take place. There's going to be no tempter. There's going to be perfect peace. Come on, there's going to be no racism. There's going to be no need. There's going to be no want. There's going to be no unemployment. Come on, there's going to be no poverty. There's going to be no struggle. As I said, spiritual revival. Come on. And as a result of all this, there'll no longer be attention on wars and recession and depression. People will live in full satisfaction and peace and prosperity, knowing the goodness of God and His limitless blessings that are available to each and every one. And during this time, life will be prolonged. All of those people who are living in their natural bodies will not die. They're going to live on. They're going to live on. The saints, we're in our glorified body. We're immortal bodies. But the sheep nations will continue to live. And again, remember, we're living in perfection. And if you would look even in the Bible, even after sin, the Bible says Adam lived 900 years. Methuselah lived 969 years, which I think is pretty incredible. Just a little afterthought right there. The word Methuselah, if you look at what it means, it means when he is gone, when he is gone. And it's amazing that he is the longest man that ever lived because after Methuselah was taken, the flood came upon this world. Think about the grace again of God, that when he is gone, a flood's going to come and it's not by chance he's the longest living man that's ever lived on this earth. Why? Because God withheld and withheld as long as he could, hoping that man would turn back to him. Much like the day we're living in now, as God is withholding and he is waiting because he doesn't will that any should be be lost, but all should be saved. And scientists, doctors, those in the medical field, God created, and they've documented this, God created the human body every seven years to completely replenish itself. Adam and Eve were made to never die. Mankind was made to never die. But because of sin, God had to remove them from the garden because they couldn't then eat of the tree of life because if they were to live in that state forever, there would be no chance of redemption. And God had to banish them to protect them from that. But Adam and Eve were created. Mankind originally was created to never die. In fact, scientists say that the body replenishes itself every seven years. So there should be no reason that aging should ever take place. And the only reason that we can give is this sin. Sin. Sin is what's done that. There's going to be an increase in light. Which will bring about healing and restoration in itself. Listen to this the animals will no longer be fierce. Come on, there's not going to be poisonous snakes. Come on, there's not going to be predators and prey. That The lion's going to lay down with the lamb. You can read the scriptures. It's, God is going to restore unity and peace and perfect bliss and harmony even throughout all the animals and the nations. You can read that in Isaiah eleven six 6 through 9. Read that when you get home. Isaiah eleven six 6 through 9. They won't be killing other people. And all around us will be such wonderful beauty as things return to their intended excuse me condition come on we won't work hard come on some of you say Mom, we're gonna have to work come on work is not gonna be work as we know it now come on it's not gonna be hard it's not gonna be a chore and it's not gonna be tiring because if you read in Genesis that was part of the curse that you're now gonna have to work with the sweat of your brow and 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 weeds are gonna come and women you're gonna have to have labor and pain that was all part of the curse So work's going to be a joy. It's going to be enjoyment. It's going to be refreshing. We're going to be revitalized to work and to serve and to do. It's just going to be awesome. It's going to be fantastic and it's going to be great. And if you do here on Earth good, you're going to be the boss of everyone who's working. Come on. (laughs) But you know what? At the end of all of this and the the beautifulness that God is going to create through all of this, at the end... Satan is going to be once again released. And as a result of him being released into this world, he is going to once again attempt to deceive the nations. And he's going to once again try to overthrow God. It's amazing. He doesn't know when he's been beat. He doesn't know when to roll over and die. And next week, we're going to talk about that, when he's released and what takes place. And we're going to see the final thing of God. We're going to talk about God saying enough is enough, and he's going to banish him. To hell forever we're going to say Satan's enough get out of here and then we're going to talk about the second resurrection and we're going to talk about the great white throne judgment and then we're going to talk about heaven come on we're going to talk about heaven the new Jerusalem the heaven of God but I pray tonight again we've covered a lot of information and I pray tonight that that hasn't been too mind-blowing if you want this picture And you can take a shot of it afterwards. What we've actually done is on the messages on the website, we have actually included the sermon notes. And in the sermon notes, we've actually put one of these pictures in there. So if you download the sermon notes off of the website and the podcasts, you'll have all the sermon scriptures and notes and also this picture. So hopefully that will help with every one of you. Anyone got any questions tonight that I can possibly help and uh, maybe that you've got? Again, if you don't have questions tonight, then you can email them or you may be embarrassed to ask them. Email them or come up and ask me afterwards. A great question, I will say this, a great question that was asked last week and I said to the person that I would follow up. Someone said in the scripture, and I believe it was 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, somewhere in there, it talks about the dead in Christ shall rise first and our bodies will be caught up in the air. Someone said, well, what happens in that? What happens to our bodies? Because aren't we um, soul and spirit? So the moment we die, our soul and spirit goes up to heaven. That is correct. Our soul and spirit to be absent in the body, the Bible says, to be present with the Lord. So immediately we're going to go up with him. But what's going to happen when, when the rapture takes place? It says the dead in Christ is going to rise first. What that means is those their spirit and soul that's already going to be in heaven. But the bodies that are left in the ground, God is going to resurrect them and take them to heaven. We're not going to need those because we're going to have a glorified body. But you know what I think it paints such a beautiful picture of? And that is this, not one thing left behind. That anything that would represent who you are and who you ever were, God's going to take it. The Bible speaks about that we're we're made for his pleasure, for his choosing, for his likeness. And for whatever reason, except for he wants that, he's going to take our bodies up to heaven. So our bodies are going to be no longer here in the grave and it's going to be taken. We're going to already have a glorified body in heaven, so we're not going to need that. But God's going to take that. And what you would, if you would study too, one of the reasons that Paul talks about that in First Thessalonians 2 is that while he was talking about the end times, people were upset about the thought or the fact of their loved ones who had died before that maybe they've missed and they wouldn't be able to. And he was saying to them, no, the dead in Christ is going to rise first. So really what he was speaking to was the fact of the concern that they had that their loved ones would not have made it. He says, no, don't worry, everyone's going to make it. Their bodies, their life is going to be resurrected to and every one of us is going to go up together with God. So I hope that answers the questions that some people have. Todd?
1: I've already asked that question. I just wanted to know, what about the people who have died who don't know Christ?
0: The people who have died and don't know Christ, their bodies, are, they're going to be resurrected during the second resurrection. And the second resurrection is going to happen after this and their bodies are going to be resurrected with them. They're going to be in hell. The moment that we die, we're in heaven. They're in hell, but they're in hell waiting their judgment. And as a result of that, they're going to be resurrected again and stand before God and they're going to stand before God and they're going to have to give an account for their life. But no matter what they say, if their name is not in the Lamb's book of life, they're going to be condemned to a lost eternity. So just like those who die go to heaven, those who die, they go to hell. And we see that before the cross, I know we can get into complicate, but before the cross, men went to a place called paradise. Paradise was separated by a gulf from hell. And you can see that because the story of the man who went to hell, he said, could you just get them to come over and to dip their finger in a bowl and just to give me water. You can see there was a gulf that separated them. But when Jesus died upon the cross, he went down and he took hell by storm and he took all those under the power and the reign, really even of Satan at that time. They were still in paradise and he took captivity captive. He took them back and he took them up to heaven with him. He took the keys of hell. And what people believe is paradise was vacated, and as a result of the growth of hell, maybe it's even grown into that now. But one, one guy used to come here, he would say, man, if hell gets too full, the devil's just going to send him to Louisiana in June, July, and August. But so that's, that's what's going to happen. So they're now no longer in a holding place. The thief on the cross went with Jesus, but he led them out and he took them out he says no more because before the cross satan still had he, he still had his dibs over those people but when jesus died on the cross the cross went backwards and forwards and the redemption of those who lived a righteous life they were saved back and those of us who have made a life for christ will be saved in the future good question mike The bodies do return to the dirt, dust to dust, ash to ashes. But, you know, God is going to take up whatever he needs back with him. And there's still bones that are going to be left, and bodies like when Joseph, when they they left Egypt, what was Joseph's instruction? Come on, take my body with me. Don't leave nothing left in Egypt. And that's what a symbol of when God calls us back. Not anything of us is going to be left. Or maybe the skin and the flesh and things like that, they're going to go back to the dust. But actually, the body and the frame of who we are is going to be resurrected and taken up to be with God in heaven for whatever purpose He needs it for. We're going to have a glorified body. We're going to have, you know, I'm looking forward to having my six pack and looking forward to having my shoulders and all this kind of stuff. But it's going to be a great and glorious day. Yes. Will we still have a family in heaven. We have our children. Good question. We'll answer that next week. So come back next week. Come back next week and find out about that. The reality is this: we're all going to be a family in heaven. Uh, we're all going to be the family of God. And um, but we'll talk about that. But um, there will be no marrying and giving in marriage. The scriptures speak about in heaven. But we'll talk more about that next week. Great question. I believe we will. I believe we'll know. uh, You know... uh, I would hope that we would. Again, we'll answer that question next week and go with that. But here's what we can do is when you get to heaven, go in the gates and go to the left. And when you see that group there, that's going to be us, okay? So when you go in the gates, go to the left, and then you see that crazy person right there with the six-pack, and and that's going to be me. So come over there, and we're just going to have a good time together. Let's pray. Can stand to our feet tonight? Precious Jesus. You know, again, all these things is great. And, and whether you, you just want to know all these things. You know what I want to know about all this? Is this, am I saved? Because the reality is this. If I'm saved and I'm with God, whatever happens after this, I don't have to worry about. Because he's got it all under control. If I'm worrying about all these things and how it works and how it plays and am I going to know this and am I going to know that? Listen, your focus is in the wrong place. All we need to worry about is my heart in heaven. So if my heart's with God, guess what? Everything else is going to be okay. There's no back doors in heaven. So if you make it in the front door, you're not going to be kicked out the back. And I love that about God. But come on, we've got to make it through the front door. Got to make it through. Well done. We need to hear. We need to hear well done. And today you can hear that well done. I mean, will that well done be said of you? Come on, bow your heads and close your eyes right now. I mean, right now, do you know that God can say, well done? God's not saying you got everything right because none of us are perfect. But you know, it starts with a life change by giving a heart change. And it's by giving our hearts to God. Tonight, all we have to say is, God, would you forgive me? Would you come into my heart? Would you change me? Come on, just in your own words. Why not just do that right now? Why not just make it right with God? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. and We pray that your word would be alive to us. God, we pray that it would be just, Lord, just touch us in every way. And God, everything that we discussed today, God, just may you seal it in the hearts and minds of each person here. And God, may they just know that, God, we can live ready. And no matter what comes beyond that, God, you're going to take care of us because you've prepared a place for those you love. And God, we thank you for that. And God, we pray that we would give everything to you and surrender our lives to you. And God, that you would take complete control of our lives. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart C's Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.